0: With all of its problems, this postmodern stage did start producing its own partial truths. Remember, every stage of development contributes some sort of partial truths. Those are supplemented and often corrected by the true but partial contribution of the next higher stage, even more developed. As Hegel put it, each stage is adequate, each higher stage is more adequate. Well, postmodern writers began cranking out treatise after treatise that utilizes egalitarian, metasystematic cognition to its full. So from Derrida to Foucault to Léotard, the cultural relativity of all truth was pounded hard. And this especially included truths that the Western Enlightenment itself had considered deeply important, like universal individual rights, which for postmodernists was too often the disguise for hidden power plays. So what are some of the true but partial notions that postmodernism advanced? Well, they include things like contextualism, the idea that all meaning is context bound, For example, notice the meaning of the word bark in the phrases the bark of a dog and the bark of a tree. The same word means two completely different things depending on its context, and that's very true. And there was constructivism. Piaget himself was a constructionist, the idea here being that mental structures themselves like the stages of development that we're talking about, those are not simple and straightforward copies or representations of the world out there the way it really is. Rather, they are, in part, mental constructions that then help determine how we interpret and actually see the world. And that's very true, too. And the virtually infinite number of ways There are to interpret the world is another important idea that the postmodernists embraced. All of Jacques Derrida's deconstruction has been summarized as based on just two major notions. Namely, all meaning is context-bound and contexts are boundless. And then there's something often called a-perspectivism which simply means that there are no privileged perspectives. The previous multiplicity or modern view had already figured that out. But the postmodernists, with their relativism and egalitarianism, put an exclamation mark on the idea. If those were true but partial, it was the partial part that started to catch up with the postmodernists. Remember that we saw you could end up at the absolutistic and ethnocentric stage by either being in the process of actually developing through it for the first time and perhaps getting stuck there? Or you could, at any higher stage, end up so zealously embracing a view from that stage that you become absolutistic and deeply fundamentalist about it. And thus you end up regressing to the absolutistic stage itself. Well, that's what started happening with many postmodernists. And they are exactly the ones that ended up as members of what would soon come to be called the regressive left. So far, that all makes sense about how that could happen. The core problem had to do with the idea that all knowledge is a cultural construction, that everything you see and do is nothing but an interpretation and that different cultures interpret reality differently. And none of them are better or worse than any others. That idea itself becomes a massive self-contradiction if you push it too hard. Because what you're saying is that there is no objective truth, that all truth is just a cultural construction, Everything is nothing but an interpretation, and there is no real way to get at any genuine truth. But clearly, you do not mean that your ideas about all this are themselves just a relative construction, that they're only an interpretation, that they're only true for just a particular culture. You do not mean that what you're saying has no objective truth at all, You do not think it's completely relativistic. No, you mean that what you are saying about relativism and egalitarianism and constructivism is true for all people, in all places, at all times, in all cultures, period. You truly believe the processes you are describing are true for all human beings, the world over, and from the start. That's known as a performative contradiction. You yourself are clearly doing exactly what you say cannot be done at all. Oops. But these general postmodern currents were already set in motion. By this time, moving into the 1990s, close to 20% of the Western population in developed countries had reached this grand Postmodern relativistic stage. It was still postmodern in that it was still meta systematic, and that meta systematic stage was still fundamentally relativistic. Although technically all values are supposed to be the same, this ongoing postmodern movement counted among its most cherished values the ideas of inclusion and diversity, even though they usually came with a strong performative contradiction. For example, when it came to the idea of cultural diversity or multiculturalism, the only culture in the world that has ever created and actually embraced multiculturalism is Western culture. And yet Western culture is supposed to be The most evil culture ever. Which is it? At the heart of the problem is the very idea that postmodernism's values are superior in a world where nothing is supposed to be superior. Postmodernism is better than you, and it knows it. Except it's not supposed to be able to be that at all. This is meta systematic relativism eating itself. At the very least, the only way that postmodernism can set itself in a genuinely adequate context is to see that its own values of diversity and inclusion are ones that have developed. You aren't born with those values, you develop them. But postmodernism itself had categorically ruled out the notion of developmental stages. One of the worst disasters of the meta-systematic postmodern view was the complete confusion of dominator hierarchies and growth hierarchies. Dominator hierarchies are all the truly horrible things that postmodernists say about them. And the higher you go in a dominator hierarchy, the more people you can oppress, enslave, and torture. But it's exactly the opposite with growth hierarchies. In a growth hierarchy, the higher the stage you're at, the more inclusive and embracing you become, from subatomic particles to atoms to molecules to cells to organisms. We've already seen that human growth hierarchies move from an embrace of just me, to us, to all of us, to all beings without exception. The only people who actually use dominator hierarchies are people at truly lower levels in a growth hierarchy. The people at higher stages of growth hierarchies spend a great deal of time attacking dominator hierarchies. We've seen that most developmental models now in existence recognize somewhere around six to eight or so major stages of increasing growth and inclusion. In an eighth stage development, postmodern values themselves, the values of a metasystematic capacity, including values of constructivism, contextualism, aperspectivism, and an emphasis on inclusion and diversity, those values start to emerge only at the sixth or seventh overall stage. They are very developed, very inclusive stages of unfolding. And again, you're not born with those values. They develop. And yet by denouncing and excluding all hierarchies, including all growth hierarchies, the postmodernists exclude all growth, period. It's a massive and truly horrid, Performative contradiction. A real disaster, not to mention suicidal. Postmodernism did not adequately transcend and include modern values. And all stages are supposed to transcend or go beyond, but also include or unfold the previous stage. And this is definitely something that the green postmodern stage should do with the orange, modern stage, so that universal individual rights of orange are fully included in healthy green values. But the postmodern current, especially when taken to extremes, starts denying those values, those liberal values, because (coughs) all values are supposed to be multiculturally equal. As individual rights, like free speech, start to be devalued, since the postmodernists still needed something they could blame oppressive power on, they ended up endorsing items like group identity, identity politics, and political correctness. It's not that there are no important truths in all of that. It's that when they start to be embraced with an absolutistic zeal, As the far left started to do, then there is indeed a tendency to regress to an absolutistic stage. And remember, those stages are deeply ethnocentric. That is, they embrace an active polarization and retribalization, or group politics and group identity. This regression indeed produces what is now often called the regressive left. As the new green postmodern relativistic stage began to emerge in the 1960s, it began to push back against the previous orange modern stage. And that's the stage that the left had originally begun by explicitly representing. Remember, liberalism was originally an expression of this new modern rational, world-centric set of values, including individual liberty and freedom. Political types who embrace these new world-centric ideas were often called progressives because they wanted to progress beyond the present conventional way of doing things, which the left often found to be very oppressive, authoritarian, mythic literal instead of rational scientific, and so on we saw they were also called liberals since they seemed more open, more liberal to new approaches and new forms of society. Hence, in big five factor analyses, progressives score highest on trade openness. The conservatives at the time were mostly fine with how things were and reminded people how hard it is to construct functioning societies in the first place. So we need to be very careful here. So they tended to believe that traditional values needed to be conserved, not just deconstructed. But as the 60s unfolded, a large portion of the left, being indeed progressive, began to progress or move on to the new postmodern stage. This deeply split the left with the old original left still representing the modern stage and its clearly liberal values. But the new left had become both postmodern and post-liberal, or sometimes illiberal, or even anti-liberal. But whatever this new left was, it wasn't liberal. Many leftists who had grown up with the original liberal values of individual rights and universal liberty, just increasingly could not identify with this new illiberal left and its identity politics. It just seemed to contradict everything they were brought up believing and that they thought the progressives believed too. On the intellectual dark web, people like Dave Rubin explained, quote, why I'm no longer a member of the left. And he had been a dedicated leftist all his life. A very large number of people did the same thing. But many of them who clearly could not identify with the anti-liberal new left and its identity politics still could not comfortably identify with something called the right. Certainly not the extreme right that's still inhabited threateningly the ethnocentric stages. Now, I would argue that most of the IDW members are not typically left or right, but are looking for a deeper current that unifies and integrates them both. They're looking for and expressing integral second tier. And because it's the original, modern, world-centric, liberal values that are most under attack, from typical leaders of a postmodern view, many of the IDW members explicitly say that they are, quote, traditional liberals. And it doesn't matter whether they are officially left or right. People from Ben Shapiro to Jordan Peterson to the Weinstein brothers have publicly called themselves traditional liberals. We'll come back to that. In the meantime, the right had begun including a more recent, modern faction that had also bumped up a stage. The original conservative traditionalists had indeed represented traditional values, which, especially at earlier times, were usually ethnocentric. They favored particular races or genders, were fairly xenophobic, hyper-patriotic, very nationalistic. The new branch of the right, on the other hand, had moved up from ethnocentric to the original modern world-centric stage, the original liberal stage. And so here the right began to vocally represent those values that the original liberals had introduced. And in fact, this orange right faction was almost the only political orientation and culture that vocally supported traditional liberal values. It argued strenuously for free speech and individual rights, while the new postmodern left had abandoned those liberal values of individual freedom and were instead promoting diversity and inclusiveness in the form of group politics, although in very self-contradictory ways. This new postmodern left was doing this in very zealous and absolutistic ways, often maintaining that it didn't even have to talk to opposing political viewpoints. And this absolutizing was always opening itself to falling into the regressive left, which had indeed significantly regressed to absolutistic, ethnocentric, and tribalistic views of group identity, and identity politics. And that current had contributed significantly to the major polarization of the culture wars, now going full blast. A significant number of genuine liberals, who started out gladly believing in the left's agenda and happily identified themselves as left-wing, soon found that left and liberal no longer meant the same thing. At all. The new postmodern left, in fact, was about as illiberal or even anti liberal as you could get. And this actually confounded the old leftists who loudly claimed that they hadn't changed, the left had changed. And indeed, it had from modern liberal universal to postmodern illiberal relativistic. In short, a move from orange to Green. And this sent a jolting shock to the entire cultural system. And politics and the IDW will look a little more closely at that shock and where it might be leading.